When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The quarterback battle is heating up on the plains, and Ike Jones joins us to talk about it on this Wednesday edition of the Uptempo Podcast. You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. Yes, sir. Welcome back, Auburn family, to the Uptempo Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Smith, joined as always by the Mobile legend, Blake Lane, and our special guest tonight, Ike Jones. Ike, yep. how you doing, buddy? I am good, man. Glad to be in here with you guys. Chopping up a little Auburn football. You know what it is. Yes, sir. Yeah. Fall camp is finally underway. Blake, how are you? Hey, I'm hanging in there, ready to talk some Auburn football, ready to kick this thing off against the UMass Minutemen, baby. Oh, dude. What are we at? 25 days, 26 days, somewhere in there. Getting there. Yes, sir. Too many days is the answer to that question. (laughs) (laughs) How tired are you, man, of just talking about this and making predictions? You know, the the only reason I'm trying to, like, be patient is I know the team isn't ready, right? Like, they still have stuff Mm. that they've got to work through and all that kind of stuff. Um, But, yeah, I wish wish we could fast forward through this portion and just get to the games, Um, but... Yeah, if it, if they if they had to, to to lace them up and go Saturday, I would be I'd be pumped for it. Yes, sir. I know we're ready here at the War Report Network, man. We got big things planned. I just trying to take it over. If y'all haven't seen the fireside chat, go check that out, man, with our guy Mike G. That thing was awesome, dude. And we learned a lot about the quarterbacks. I think no one had ever really seen Holden before, right? We just yeah. hadn't seen him do a whole lot of interviews. And I think that he came off very well. Obviously, Robbie came off very well. But Ike, a lot of news today coming out about this quarterback situation. And we just kind of the offseason narrative, or I felt like it was, was that Peyton Thorne was brought in from Michigan State and just going to be kind of given this job. And we hear that our guy Holden is is coming on strong and making some waves. Hear that Robbie's made some improvement, not only in accuracy, but in leadership. Yeah. What are you hearing, Ike? Yeah, I mean, hearing the same things, uh, you know, you listen to Coach Philip Montgomery talk about the situation. Uh, you, you People can decide whether they think it's coach speak or if he's being genuine. I choose to take the man at his word when he says that there's a valid competition going on. Uh, the question really that you have to ask yourself is what's the space between the guys, right? Yes, we're competing, right? Like, yes, uh, Usain Bolt lines up against everybody in the 100-meter dash. You know what the end result is going to be, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's going to blow every – yes, it's a competition It that in the sense of we're all lining up at the starting line and there's going to be a finish line at some point in time and someone's going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the question you have to ask yourself is – how likely is it that someone overtakes Peyton Thorne? Uh, I choose to take both he and Coach Freeze at their word when they say that I, any of those guys has an opportunity to actually win this race for the starting quarterback. Uh, 
you didn't ask me, but plenty of people have asked me if I were a betting man, I would still say Peyton Thorne is going to win that race as with the information I have today. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, Robbie has embraced the challenge. Holden Gurner is out there making sure that people understand that this is not a two man competition. He is 100% in this and he's going to make it difficult for the coaches to make a decision. Like if you don't think I'm experienced enough, can you ignore this arm talent? Can you ignore, you know, uh, how well I know this playbook? Can you ignore the athleticism that I flash? Robbie is going to do the same thing. Can you ignore that I'm being more mature, more level-headed at practice? I'm making more throws more consistently. And then you're just going to have to say, all right, is this 60% plus this amazing athleticism enough for you guys to feel like we can win some ball games, right? Like, so, um, and I think that's the thing that fans ignore when they start talking about this. It's like, oh, but he can't do this. But it's like, well, but he can do all this other stuff. So we can't just throw that away as if it's not a part of football. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting after this first scrimmage that comes up Mm -hmm. where people sit after that. One of the knocks that I hear on hold, and I wouldn't necessarily say it's a knock, but one of the things that people say when it it comes to him in terms of winning the job is the lack of experience. Robbie got the start the majority of last year. Peyton started for two years at a P5 program in Michigan State. So, but we hear that he's making moves and he's coming on strong. And remember after the pro day, he came on strong apparently in spring ball. Right. So, and, and we all, and I've been hearing too, that is he has the prettiest ball and the little bit that we have seen of him, that thing does look pretty coming out of there. It looks tight. Right. His, so, his arm talent's undeniable, man. Yeah. hundred percent. So what would it, what would it have to be for Holden to, to make up that ground, that lack of it? Would he just really have to show out and show in these scrimmages, man, I'm just that guy, no matter what, or is it like command in the huddle and kind of that other stuff that Peyton Thorne has a grasp on? that he would, you know, that to where they just huge steps back and say, I got to give it to him. How, how can he make up for that lack of experience? Yeah, I think it is going to be a command presence thing, right? I've, I've, you know, talked to several guys at different positions within that locker room and, and nobody has a bad thing to say about Holden, right? So it's not hit the locker room. There's no tension or issues. If he got handed the football guys would rally behind him because they like him. Uh, but it's a different thing when you get into the heat of the moment as to whether or not that's a guy you can rally behind in those type of moments. And I think that Coach Freeze and, uh, you know, Kent Austin and, um, you know, Philip Montgomery, they're going to be working to try to put them in positions to see is he going to be able to step up in those kind of things when it doesn't count, right? It's practice and see how he responds in those situations as well as the other guys. But specifically, I think Holden's got to show some of that um, in some instances and something that, you know, you look at and be like, okay, I didn't expect that response. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a little bit more fire or I'm seeing, you know, the stuff that makes me feel like he's the kind of guy that can do this sort of thing on a game day. Uh, but for him, and and I'm going to echo the words of Philip Montgomery that he had when he talked to, to the media, uh, I believe it was Monday. I think it's really just more about being consistent. I think it's about don't have a great day and follow it up with a crappy day. Like Mm -hmm. every day it needs to look a certain way. And if he just does that consistently and everybody around him is fluctuating, they're going to look at him and say, well, this is the guy that's been rock solid the whole time. You know, he's the guy that's going to be ready to step up and do it during the season. Uh, I I wanted to ask you, man, uh, Jarquez Hunter uh, was welcome back uh, to this football team. How excited was this football team, the guys just seeing him uh, back on the practice field? And uh, if, if you could update us on on his uh, on his play, how his practice went. Yeah. So I wasn't there at practice, but we did have representation at the practice. Um, and I think it was 
in in inevitability. Like I think guys knew it was coming. It was more mm-hmm. of a when, not an if. Uh, so when he was back out there at practice, it was like, okay, it's about time. Let's get to work type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that running back room is a room that realizes everybody's going to get opportunities. So I don't think that they fear the competition of Jarquez Hunter walking in there and saying, oh, well, there went my reps. Like, I mean, there's probably some guys, you know, on the lower end of the the depth chart who are saying, okay, I don't know how much they're going to utilize me now. Um, but I think they embrace that. And I think when you realize – Here's the thing, man. Those kids want to win football games. Mm. Like, that's the consistency that you're hearing from everybody when you talk to them. They want to win, not at the expense of, did am I the person that made us win? I think they are wanting to go equipped and say, do we have all the guns? Like, I don't want any excuses. We're going to go in there, and we're going to go fully armed, and we're going to go to battle, and we're going to see what we've got. But we're not going to go out there and say, well, we left Jarquez sitting on the sidelines. That's the only reason. Like, no, he was there, too. And we're going to win or lose with all our guys in here. And I think everybody's embracing that identity as a football team. We need to get the best guys on the field. And I think there are guys who say to themselves, hey, man, Jarquez or not, we're going to go out there and we're going to win some football games. But you can't deny the impact that he has just from a physical standpoint and the intimidation standpoint of other defenses just saying, okay, well, there's a dude over there that we've got to contend with. So I think uh, from a play standpoint, from what I've uh, seen and heard, he's, he's ready to go. He's Mm -hmm. out there ready to go. He's really been training hard this summer. And I think the guys are uh, happy to see him back. Mm. Love that. Dustin. Well, speaking of the Russian attack, Robbie Ashford, and we had Jake Crane on Ike. And Jake made a very interesting point last week. He believes that Robbie is going to play up to 20 snaps a game. He feels like that that's this two quarterback system that has been talked about. He's saying, and then I watched you guys today on the drop, you and Mike G and y'all said basically that you think it's coded language that he's basically saying, Hey, this is going to be something. Do you, to me, 20 snaps still kind of sounded high, but then you'd made this point today uh, again on the drop talking about kind of calling him a, a closer. Mm-hmm elaborate on that a little bit because to me i just it's like if the offense is already running well under peyton thorne or or maybe holding do do you really is robbie still going to get 15 to 20 snaps in a game yeah i don't know that i would put a number on it to that degree 15 to 20 snaps i think um and, and when i talk about the closure situation i'll start there and then i'll come back to the other question when i talked about closing uh we're talking about a a game where we just need to ice it, right? Like we're, mm-hmm. we're going to turn around and hand the ball off a bunch of times. Why not put a guy who gives you a little bit of deception in that situation where it's like, okay, I don't have to hand it off to the back. We can have the quarterback. Now you, you're you still making the defense think a little bit and getting first down to something that you can still do while having um, some variety to what you're doing with your offense. I think that that's a situation I can see Robbie Ashford doing. Now, again, this is not – this is me – in my weird mad scientist world coming up with scenarios. That's not something I've talked to any coach and they were like, Oh, that's a really good idea. We're going to like, I have no freaking <laughs> clue what they're going to do. Um, but I can see that scenario, but 15 to 20 snaps, maybe right. But mm-hmm. to your point, I think continuity in the signal caller and, in what you want to be able to do from having the entire playbook at your disposal is something that they're going to want to look to do, which is why I think you can't discount Holden Gurner. But again, we'll get into maybe that a little bit more at some point in time because he is deceptively uh, athletic. Mm. But 
um, for the switching in 15 snaps. I, I'm trying to, in, in my mind, think about, right, so if you're going to have 80 to 90 snaps in a game, right, and you're going to turn around and hand the ball off 40 to 50 of those times in a combination of, you know, different backs getting the ball, uh, the rest of those snaps that you have off offensively, let's just take the low end of that 80. There's only 30 to 40 snaps in addition. If you're telling me 15 of those are going to go to Robbie and the rest of those are, are Peyton Thorne throwing the ball, I don't know that you're going to survive him throwing that infrequently, right? Mm -hmm. Like on a consistent basis. That means that your run game is fear. Like if, if you're doing yeah. that, your run game is so demonstratively better than the vast majority of your opponents that it doesn't matter who the quarterback is really right like you can throw anybody out there if we're going to run the ball that well and it'd be effective if we're going to get to that level of snap count and we're going to get Robbie in the game 15 times and Holden's going to I mean Holden or Peyton throwing is going to throw that few a time uh, I don't know man I think you're going to need to get the quarterback 30 something mm -hmm. pass attempts per game if not higher, depending on whether or not they want to lean into the pass game, and you know, but if it's not going to be effective in the run, you see what I'm saying? Like when you when you yeah. start to parse out the numbers, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Fifteen seems a little high, <clears throat> average that per game. I could see a game where he got fifteen, right? right but if right. you're telling me over twelve games, he's going to get fifteen to twenty snaps. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're they're going to call that many because it's going to be special packages, right? So it's going to be short distance. It's going to be red zone. It's going to be like gadget type stuff if you're talking about that and are you going to run 20 times in a game doing that kind of stuff just going to go read option 20 times in the game you know um yeah. or quasi wildcat 20 times in a game that's that feels like i like a lot to me yeah um, so i don't know and, and a point that that blake's been making on this all offseason is that Hugh wants to show high school receivers we're going to throw the ball yeah, around that's, here. That's I'm what trying I'm to change. So that's a good point that Blake's always made. It's like yeah. Hugh's, Hugh's trying to he's trying to change this. These passing numbers that I think it's uh, Damian Craig has the all time passing like right there at 3200. Hugh's going to demolish that. Stidham's yeah. second right there at like 31. Hugh sees that and says, "Dude, we're this that, this having no thousand yard receiver stuff. This is coming to an end." So yeah, I'd be shocked if we don't put 3,500 plus up on the and through the air. And I just don't know that you can get that unless you're just taking a bunch of shot plays. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that that's how this offense works. I think it works by you know uh, we're going to hit you with the quick game, quick game, quick game. Get you to try to you know creep up on it. Then we're going to hit you over the top. We're going to get a seam route from a tight end. We're going to go you know RPO play action stuff. But a lot of that RPO stuff is quick game, right? Like we're looking here. We got numbers to the outside. Let me just flick it out here real quick. Get out here and get a couple. Hit a quick slant for something, right? It's not going to be long developing, big you know turnaround heavy play action. Try to suck the linebacker up stuff. It's going to be you know we're going to be ride. Uh, read release uh so i don't know um again the numbers for me don't work out in a way that makes sense for 20 unless you're getting over 100 snaps in a game right like you're gonna have to be running a bunch of plays to be able to get to that number i'm not saying that's impossible i'm saying it's improbable with the level of defenses that you're going to be facing in the sec if you're getting over 80 snaps game average then you're really humming offensively mm -hmm. All right, what's Jay Fair been up to, man? I, I know that the reports have been going wild. And, Let me and channel my mic G real quick. I asked you the question again. Ask me the question. <laughs> what's, what is up with Jay Fair and how has he been showing out, brother? Jay Fair <laughs> is the best 
wide receiver that has ever he's going to break every Auburn record. Jay Fair is going to go down in Auburn history as the best wide. Re- I'm t- I'm t- I'm telling you guys, Jay Fair. You mark my words. Nah, um, Listen, guys. <laughs> Jay Fair is amazing, man. Like I, 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 the hyperbole around him. Listen, it's, let's let's forget what people want to say is Mike G being a little too, um, whatever, partial towards Jay Fair, and listen to people who are practicing with him every day. Right when you when you hear Keontae Scott talk about who are the guys that are giving you, you know trouble in the slot he mentions jay fair right like he he talks about uh, but he says jay fair is doing it right mm-hmm. um if you talk about quarterbacks and you you listen to peyton thorne when he first got to campus there he had a conversation uh and he's talking about how you know he's going and watching practice footage and he's watching footage from the a-day and he's like hey man i'm seeing you open a lot when you you know hear other quarterbacks talk about the reliability and you hear linebackers and dbs talk about the the shiftiness his he's he is of the guys who are likely going to play in the slot, right? You've got Javarius Johnson, of course. Barr is going to be there. You've boy. got you've got Caleb Burton, the new guy, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got Jay Fair. Those are the three guys that are going to take the vast majority of slot reps for Auburn this year. If you're asking me today, that's what I would say vast majority. Now, what order that is and how many, I would probably rearrange them from the order that I just said them. But when you look at the makeup of those guys physically. Jay Fair runs not as fast, but he's probably in in the higher end of the speed category of those guys. Var's probably the fastest of them. You probably put Jay Fair at number two, um, and Burton is is not a burner like those two guys are. He's more of a route runner, like crisp guy, right? Um, but you talk about route running. Caleb Burton's probably the most polished route runner of the two. Right behind him, Jay Fair. So you're saying he's kind of the mix of those two in speed and route running, but he's easily the biggest one, right? So he's going to be able to take more of the crossing routes. He's going to be able to get more of those yards after catch things, which makes him a little bit more dangerous in this offense. So I think he's kind of the perfect mix of slot receiver to be able to do a little bit of everything that the coaching staff is going to ask him to do. And he's a reliable guy as far as knowing where to be, when to be, and having good hands. Um, I, it's, I, I'm, I'm finding it difficult to find reasons why you don't put him and get him, get, get him reps when you compare him to the other guys in the room. And when you look at what the offense is going to require any word on Nick Mardner, I, uh, I know, I know he was a guy, a guy that kind of slid down a little bit and people stopped really talking about him, but, uh, how, how has he performed? Um, I mean, I haven't heard a lot about Nick Mardner. I do know that he's probably in that second group right now mm-hmm. of guys. When you look at outside receivers, um, Camden Brown, Coy Moore, probably the the top guys right now in that outside room. And then you're going to have the new guys coming in that are challenging for that. And then you got to figure out what you're going to do with Malcolm Johnson, who is by everybody's account, the fastest guy in that room. So if you're talking about taking the Mm -hmm. top off, he's going to be a guy who can get downfield for you. Um, And then you've got Nick Martiner, right? Like he's the other big body guy, but he's going to be competing for the big body guy reps, right? Like he's going to have to get the outside receiver reps. And man, I'm telling you that kid Jair shorter and that kid, Mm. Shane hooks that that's where Nick Martiner, like Mm. if they weren't there, you'd be saying, okay, Nick Martiner's probably your second guy in the rotation. Like if you're talking about too deep, he's probably a number two at one of the outside receiver spots. You mix Shane hooks and you mix in, 
um, Jair Shorter into that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know that he's better than any of those guys at doing what they're going to be requiring those guys to do. Uh, so we will definitely see what it is coming up soon, but I think he's, he's performed adequately. I just don't know that he's blowing anybody away right now. Mm. His experience in the system is going to pay dividends for him as far as reps in this fall, though. That's kind of what I was going to ask you was about uh, about those receivers that came in, hooks is shorter. How long do you think it's going to take them to kind of pick up this offense to feel comfortable missing the spring? It's really similar to what Hooks was running at Jackson State. The difference is going to be the physicality. He is right. a yeah. he's kind of a slight of frame, like you know, he's not as big as you probably think he is when you go look at like his measurables. He's kind of tall, slender guy. Um, but he plays big, right? So it, it helps him that he's playing a little bit bigger. Uh, as far as his ability to high point and his ability to kind of catch in traffic and 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 um, even yards after the catch type of stuff, he's a, he's a guy that can do those things. Um, but I don't think it's going to take him a, a long. It's really going to be more about making sure he understands what the calls are and like just little things about like if we're running this particular route, what's the depth on the route, right? Like, mm -hmm. is it an eight yard, you know, turn and release, you know, or like, is it 10 yards? Like, are we pushing up 10? We pushing up eight, we push, you know, those types of things uh, more so than his understanding of like the fundamentals of what the offense is. Cause the calls are going to be, it's like, all right, well, we call that thing that you're used to running this. And this is how, right. you know, which is where you're going to line up. This is what your split's going to be from off the line, that type of thing. Um, but then it's going to be about, all right, do you understand at seven yards is when we're typically breaking this route off and he's going to be looking to throw it to you at seven. And then you guys reading the same thing. Are we, you know, in cloud coverage on the back end, we're man coverage, we're back shoulder, you know what I'm saying? Like just getting yeah. that camaraderie in that uh, communication down with the quarterback. That's I think going to take a little bit of time because they just haven't had the opportunity to get in there during the summer. Both of those guys were dealing with some injuries so they weren't running and doing a lot of, uh, uh, route stuff during the summer as much as some of the other guys. Uh, so that, that's what probably is going to be the biggest thing that's going to stop them from game one being big cont contributors in, you know, top yeah. two um, guys out there. I, I wanted to switch it over to the defensive side of the ball, and there was a name that kind of popped up uh, that I was very interested in and a guy that hasn't been able to find the field uh, for the Auburn Tigers, and that is Eugene Asante. Uh, mm -hmm. I know there's been high praise from Ron Roberts, uh, and uh, I believe Josh Aldrich had had a little high praise for him, and they say he's been putting in the work, man. How has he looked? Uh, Eugene Asante is a guy who I was – it baffled me that he didn't get more reps last season. I know he was dealing with some injury stuff, but I'm, I'm pleasant like – Everything coming out of North Carolina was this kid's a baller. Mm -hmm. Everything when I talk to other players about him is this kid's a baller. He does all the right things in the classroom. He does the right things at practice. He's showing up on time. He's, you know, he's he's a good guy in the locker room. Like I talked to um, when we did the wide receiver thing, they were basically like, man, you got to get Eugene Asante on here, man. He's he's a character, right? Like he's going to be it's going to be fun to sit and talk to him. And so I'm just like, all right. So why is he not playing? Like I, mm. you can't you can't find anybody that says anything bad about him. Like I li like, and trust me, I I talk to quite a bit of can't find a person who says a bad thing about Eugene, right? Um, so I'm glad to see that he's going to get his opportunity. I trust the evaluation of a guy like Ron Roberts, who's a linebacker guy. Like right? he mm -hmm. he is fundamentally at his core a linebacker coach, and a guy like Josh Aldridge. If they are saying this guy can ball. That's all I need to hear. 
He's going to go out there and he's going to do it um, in a room that I think that there's a ton of opportunity in. Right. Everybody was really high on, um, you know, Austin Keys coming in. I still think he's going to be solidifying a spot. And then everybody's, you know, big on Larry Dixon when he got here. And it's like, OK, is he going to be able to get a spot? Eugene Asante has got the, uh, the summer and the spring on him. Right. He came in after um, spring ball. So he's got a little bit more experience in the room for this particular uh, staff and what they want to do scheme wise. And um, I think he's he's a little bit bigger, probably a little bit faster, too. He flies around out there. Larry Nixon is a guy who's going to be where he needs to be. Is he as fast as Asante? I don't think so. Mm. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see what that linebacker room is going to look like. Um, I, I wouldn't be mad at a uh, Austin Keys, Asante, middle linebacker, you know, mm. Will Sam yeah. situation there. Like, I think that would be dope. But um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it pans out. Mm. Ike, what does your boy Keontae Scott start at? He's going to start where at? Nickel, yeah, safety? Where's he he gonna is going to be a nickel or star backer. Star uh, backer is, you know, the kind of hybrid safety linebacker role. Um, if you guys ha- have seen uh, the you guys can go check it out on the channel. If you're members over the war report, I do some defensive breakdowns of the Ron Roberts scheme, but the star linebacker, if you can remember Christian Tut actually played the star backer for Auburn uh, when he was here uh, a few years back, but that's a, a, a role that I can see Keontae Scott filling into well, because it's kind of part of his game. You know, it's a blitzing linebacker. It's going to be a guy that you expect to be in the slot and covering running backs out of there, you know, maybe picking up some tight end responsibility. I think that's where he's going to fit mm-hmm. in. So with Simp having that other safety spot locked down, Caden Bridges gets dismissed from the team. Caleb was kind of the kind of forgotten today with the return of Jarquez, but Caleb made his return today. Um, mm-hmm. We all are really high on that secondary, but it does seem like that secondary or that safety, that other safety spot is still kind of open. Who are you leaning as being the starter week one in that position? Um, You know, I'm I'm really I'm a big Donovan Kaufman guy. I think that Donovan Kaufman is a he's not like he is the Swiss Army knife of that defense. I was gonna say he's not like the best cover guy. He's not the worst cover guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the biggest dude, right? Zion Puckett is is easily the biggest guy in that room, but he's not afraid to go down there and come downhill and hit. He's a he's a really solid tackler. Um, I like Donovan Kaufman to be a guy to fill in for that safety room, and then. You know, from an experience standpoint, I think the next two guys up are probably going to be Puckett and Gilbert. Uh, the Gilbert being the um, the guy who came in from JUCO last year, I yeah, think that yeah. those might be the other two guys that you can look at in that room. But it's probably if if we're going with a four rotation there, you know, you've already mentioned Simp. I put Donovan Kaufman, Puckett, and then probably Marquise Gilbert as those top four safeties in that room right now. So we're going to see some more reps out of Marquise this year. I, I think so. You know, I, I think it's really going to be dependent on, you know, one of those safety is going to be more of a free, you know, back end rover guy. And I think Simp is going to probably be that guy just because he's got the most range. Yeah. Uh, he's he, I think he's the fastest guy in that safety room. Simp can really yeah. like Simp can fly. <laughs> and um, so I think he's going to be that guy. I think Marquise Gilbert probably is the other guy that you're going to want to do that. Um, I did see him playing some close to the line of scrimmage during a day. So that made me be like, I say that because he's smaller. Like he's, he's another guy that's kind of slight of frame. And I know Donovan Kaufman doesn't mind coming downhill. I know Zion Puckett functions really well downhill. So if I'm putting those four, I'm saying that he's probably the, in the two deep behind Simp. 
but he would have an opportunity, I think, this year to be able to do that. Caleb Wooden, I'm never going to count him out because he's super talented. Um, and then we've got some really dynamic freshmen in that room as well. So, man. Yeah, I, I think Sylvester might crack that rotation a little bit. Man, Sylvester is – he's a – he. He's another guy that's a unit, man. Like he's he's all he's not a guy that you're like, oh man, he needs to put on a little weight, little nah, bro. <laughs> you put the pads on, he looks like a football yeah. player walking off the uh, bus. <laughs> Dustin's been on that one. Yeah. Yes, sir. I've been on that one since we flipped that boy from Tennessee. Yeah, he 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 looks like a dude. Yes, sir. I like that one. Blake, you got anything else before we get over here to these bold predictions, man? No, let's make them, man. I'm ready. Yes, sir. Before we hop over here, guys, you already know the deal. Home field apparel, go over there. 15% off your first purchase with the code UPTEMPO. Appreciate all you guys helping us out doing that. They got the flash gear on the market, man. Go check them out. Thank you, Home Tempo, for partnering with us, man. It's been awesome. We're going to get over here to these bold predictions. We're going to do one on offense, one on defense. I'm going to get us started off with uh, defense here first, fellas. I'm going to say that Robert Woodyard establishes himself as the best linebacker on this team, and he has at least 70 tackles by the end Ooh, of the season. 70 tackles. Okay. 70 tackles. We, we're talking total tackles. That's going to be solo tackles. What are we doing here? We'll give him total. Total tackles. All total right. tackles. That's not bad. That's not a bad number. Because I think we're, see, we're, we're, we're I didn't mention him when I was talking about the daggone <laughs> linebacker. Listen, man, we, this, this is one of the – best years i have been able to sit and evaluate a roster and say to myself ah man i can see that dude playing i can see that dude playing i can mm -hmm. see like and there's just not a lot of rooms where i'm like i don't know like mm. if we've got two guys that could play this position like the only place that i'm saying that in my mind is tackle like offensive tackle mm. outside of that i mean there are and and probably the nose right the nose tackle i don't know that we've got three really good nose tackles on the team. Yeah, what's up with Sledge? I don't know that Nietzsche Sledge is going to play nose. Like, he's definitely going to play a defensive tackle position. I, he's going to be – if we're looking at D-tackle, we're probably looking at uh, Marcus Harris. Um, mm -hmm. You're looking at probably a Nietzsche Sledge in that role, looking at a guy like uh, Zacavius Walker. Um, and then you switch over to the D-end side, then you're going to, you know, uh, uh, what's the freshman kid's name? Uh, gosh, why is my brain blanking on me? He was Falk. Man, yeah, Keldrick Falk's That's probably gonna play D end. Oh, yeah. Um, beast. Uh, Jason Jones is gonna flex between D end and nose tackle, so you're gonna have him and uh, the kid from Kentucky whose name is escaping J Justin, Justin Rogers. Rogers. Uh, is probably gonna play there. Uh, Nasili Kite and Lawrence Johnson are probably the other guys that'll rotate in there on that nose tackle, and uh, whoever's not at the nose will flex out and, and do that uh, D tackle spot from there. Um, and then you got the freshman guys, uh, Darren Reed. They're going to be down there on. Mm. Man, I, like I said, we just got dudes, man. Like yeah. th again, this is one Reed's of those years. Player. Yeah, there's one of those years where I can like I can just rattle off names of guys that I can say I think this guy's an SEC caliber, whatever the position is, mm. and we've got more than one of them that I can say. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good one though. Robert Woodyard, mm. seventy tackles. I like it. Blake. <sighs> Look, we we only uh, we only forced thirteen turnovers last year. We were dead last in the Southeastern Conference, uh, and I and I did some research, and I, Georgia led the conference, I believe, with twenty three or twenty four. They were number one. Uh, I'm gonna say that we get in. I'm gonna say we at least get twenty 
All right. Uh, mm. And uh, that will get us into the top four of the conference. All right. That will get us top four. Uh, I think the way this defense is going to be this year, uh, and I know the high praise for the secondary, uh, but I think we're going to force some turnovers. I don't think we're going to go on that long stretch like we did at the beginning of the year where we went multiple games without forcing a turnover. Um, I know there was some turnovers that that were to be made in the Ole Miss game that we couldn't capitalize on. So yeah. I think that uh, – I think the 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 cookie's going to crumble a little differently this year, fellas. I like that one, Blake. Okay, okay. Um, let's see. Bold prediction for me. I think that Auburn will have at least one guy with double-digit sacks this season, at least Ooh. two guys with above eight sacks this season, eight or more sacks from two different players this season. Ooh. Mm. And, and uh. at least one of them is going to have double-digit do you have names in mind here? Um, you know, I, Marcus like, the, Harris? I like the kid from Ooh. App State, bro. Yeah, Jalen McLeod. I think Jalen McLeod might be one of them guys that you just got to figure out how to get identify him at the snap. If it's if you got him in third and six or seven or more, mm. watch out for Jalen McLeod. I like him. Um, the other person that I think is going to be disruptive over there. Ooh, let me think about this one for a second. When talking about sack, I think Marcus Harris might be the other guy that I could put in there. I think Marcus Harris might be a dis. Because here's the thing about Marcus Harris um, last year, and and really in his first season as well, he lived on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Mm. The problem with Marcus Harris, a few, a lot of those times, and I won't say a few, a lot of those times is he was missing a couple of the tackles to get the tackles for loss, um, and. He just he he seemed like he you know he was being a little too you know false starts though I mean well, offsides that kind of stuff that made him a little bit more hesitant. But Marcus Harris is a guy who knows how to, and I think in this system he's going to be allowed the liberty to just kind of get out there and create havoc, which I think is what he functions best best in. I would say those two guys off the top of my head. Mm. I like that. I I predicted earlier earlier in the summer that Keldrick Falk would finish with eight sacks. So. Mm. I, I almost said Keldrick Falk in that when when I was I was like I, but my my question is or the thought about that is whether or not he they're going to give him that many reps. Mm-hmm. It, he's a guy who I don't know if you you might not even be able to keep him off the field. He might be that good. So mm-hmm. um, and by all accounts, he's a man child yeah. out there. So yeah, um, yeah. My thinking there, I guess, that we're just thin at that position, and I, I've been clear on it. I've just I, I don't think it's going to happen at the A and M game, but I think somewhere around that LSU game, I think he's going to have like any freshman, especially on the D line, there'll be there'll be a okay, welcome to the league type moment. But I think as it goes on, he's just that good. He's not at Highland Homes anymore. It'll take a little bit of time, but I bet that back half, man, when you get in that stretch of like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Bandy, Arkansas, I think Keldrick starts to eat. And so. the, the other reason why I would think Keldrick Falk might get that opportunity is because early season he might not be running with the ones. And so he's going to get a lot of those, mm. you know, early reps against teams that are going to have to throw to try to stay in a game, right? right? Like, so against UMass, he might get two or three sacks in that game, right? Just because of the fact that he's going yeah, to get second team, right? And they're going to have to throw the ball to try to get back into the game type of thing. And he's just out there wrecking shop. You could probably say the same thing for the Samford game, right? He, he may... Mm-hmm front load his ability to get to eight in those first three games because of second team, third team reps that he'd be getting to try to get him acclimated to collegiate play. And then he's only needing, you know, two or three sacks down the stretch to be able to do that. And we still got a cupcake on the back end. So that's not a bad pick. 
I'm going to be hard to shut up if Kelder Fall starts his career off with two or three sacks. <laughs> first, you know, I'm just letting y'all know. I'm going to be talking. Yeah. Over on the offense, my bold prediction is that Jarqu- and, and it doesn't sound that bold, but just let me get into these stats. Okay. Jarquez Hunter has a top five season in Auburn history, single season, in rushing yards and touchdowns. So rushing mm. yards, Cam Newton is fifth all time. And by the way, when you look at these numbers, for all, as bad as our receiving numbers are all time, our rushing numbers are stupid. But Cam Newton is fifth all time at 1,473 yards, obviously 2010. I got Jarquez going for at least 15. I think he finishes mm. somewhere between 15 and 16. And then on touchdowns, let's go down here to rushing touchdowns for a season. It is a tie between Bo in 1985 and Coach Cadillac in 2003 with 17. I think Jarquez beats that and gets 18. So I got mm. Jarquez going for 1,500 in yards, 18 on the ground. That'll be top five in yards and touchdowns all time in single season Auburn history. Okay. Okay, fellas, I'm gonna go with a a bold bold prediction here. Uh, I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Var was our our leading receiver last year, uh, almost 500 yards, had 26 grabs. Right, uh, I'm gonna go off the wall here, and I think Caleb Burton is mm. going. I think Caleb Burton's getting 30 grabs this year. All right, Caleb Burton, 30 grabs, kid from Ohio State. Uh, I, I'm high on any receiver that comes from that school right there. So, uh, yeah, I think Caleb Burton's going to get it done this year for the Auburn Tigers. Okay. Well, I will see your Caleb Burton with 30 grabs, and I will say we're going to have two receivers with plus 20 receptions on the mm-hmm. year this year. Love that. Yeah, I think we get two of them plus 20 receptions. Um I know Coy had 20 last year. Did he? Oh, well, let me up yeah. mine to 25 then just to make Ooh. it more spicy. Plus <laughs> 25, two receivers last next year. Okay, yeah, so how many, how many do you have Rivaldo having in that scenario then? Mm. Oh, that is a good question. I think Rivaldo is probably going to be – you might get three three um, receiving targets mm-hmm. with, 20, with 20 receptions with Rivaldo in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think mm, that sorry. we could do that this season. Love Just because line. I think we're going to throw the ball more, there's going to again, there's going to be more quick game. So you're going to get those opportunities for guys to get, you know, those two, three yard receptions, little pocket pass stuff. We're going to do those sorts of things a lot more frequently this year. And uh, though they're going to spread the ball around, you're going to find that certain guys just function in a particular role, like um, like a, a Ryan Davis, how Ryan Davis was that year where he broke the single season record. Like we're just going to throw the quick game to like one or two guys consistently. And if they stay healthy, they're just going to rack up catches right. uh, throughout the season. So I think, you know, there's an opportunity for three different guys uh, to be able to get 20 plus receptions in this offense. Mm. Well, that'd be fun, man. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Uh, Dustin, you got anything else? Yeah, so today we got the uh, – it was going around Twitter, and even if you don't have Twitter, I'm sure you saw it on whatever – wherever you keep up with your Auburn news. We're going to finally be able to roll the original yeah. Tumor Trees again, man. And I was there at the uh, at the final roll on the uh, 2013 spring game, and it was – if you've ever seen the pictures, if you weren't there, it was just a crazy – man, it was, it was nuts. It's one of the craziest Auburn atmospheres I've been to, and it was a spring game. Uh, like 80,000-plus, it was just – unbelievable time man uh really what the auburn family means so i just want to say um to the gentleman that thought he could keep us down you know uh old harvey updike it didn't work buddy it didn't yeah. work 
And so all and all it's all the guys that are quote tweeting him today on Twitter or quote tweeting this stuff and saying, rest in peace to the GOAT. The Bama fans trying to be funny, shouting out Harvey. Listen, bro, you're not gonna stop us. And if you remember the last time y'all tried to be funny, we took one back on you with one second ago, 109. It was like the greatest play in sports history. So uh just the spirit of the Auburn family, man. Like we're gonna persevere no matter what happens. You're not gonna stop us. Uh everything that we saw that night versus saying them. Everything that we saw on that final tumor roll, man, it's going to be awesome to get back versus UMass and uh, finally get to roll those trees, man. I don't know I have my toilet paper ready. Bro, that, that was like the super G version of, of what I really wanted to say. Uh, <laughs> because, well, tell, tell Harvey how you feel. Uh, well, uh, yeah. So, he can't hear it. So yeah, Auburn, Auburn won the last one he got to see. So um, mm. I, I just, you know. A lot of people, a lot of people around the country don't realize like how big of a deal that is to the Auburn family. And I've been asked, like I, I've I've been communicating with some of the people out in the Pac-12 and and some of the people that we're going to have on the show, and people will say, "Hey, look, man, like what's the hype about like Tumors Corner?" All right, and and I, there's a guy uh, that's going to be on the show from Cal. Uh, he asked me, he's like, you know, I'm coming to Auburn next year. And he's like, what's all the hype? And he's like, I keep hearing about this lemonade and these trees and all of this stuff. And he's like, just tell me. And so I laid it out for him. And, and you know, I was like, hey, there's these trees, you know, and, and it's a tradition and, and they mean the world to the Auburn family. And just the day that that happened and, and I was listening to Paul Feinbaum and, you know, it, Paul even thought it was a joke. Yeah. And he was like, no way somebody did that. Like, that's an insanity. And uh, just to see the press conferences of, of uh, the people at Auburn having to break the news of the trees can no longer be rolled and, and uh, you know, they're going to be taken out and replaced. And uh, it was just heartbreaking stuff. Uh, so no matter like how bad the rivalry is, look, I think it's the greatest rivalry in sports, but it, it sometimes it's got to be bigger than a rivalry. And for you to do that uh, because one player, you know, breaks your heart, and uh, wins a Heisman Trophy and leads Auburn to a national championship, you go and do a senseless act like that, uh, and and then you don't even pay the money back uh, for restitution and everything. So, you know, it, it was just ignorant. And um, But it's back now. It's back, and uh, it, it feels good. And to see that this morning, to see everybody in the Auburn family just get hyped up and the old videos being brought back and, and – uh, I can't wait for September 2nd. I, honestly, I can't wait for UMass. I can't wait for Tiger Walk, Hugh, to run out of that tunnel. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, you know, and and if if I guess it's okay to, like, everybody makes jokes or whatever as long as it's lighthearted. I just think it's kind of in poor taste, man. Like, just yep. understand that some people have pride in certain things, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not okay to just crap on somebody else's thing that they have pride in, right? Like, it's mm -hmm. just, just let them have pride in the thing. And whether you understand it or not, or whether it's a big deal to you, it's, it, it, mat it doesn't matter if it's a big deal to you. It's a big deal to me. And yep. I don't really appreciate anybody disrespecting anything that's a big deal to me, right? So, yep. um, you know, to those fans, you guys know uh, you, what, what a part of my anatomy you could kiss. Um, <laughs> it's it's like the Denny Chimes, you know. Their big thing is the Denny Chimes. Their band plays on it every Saturday uh, before the game, before they make their entrance into the stadium and everything. And that is their big deal. Uh, but you know, you don't see an Auburn fan. You know, I just yeah. I mean, like I, here's the thing: everybody's got their traditions, man. Mm -hmm. And you just don't want somebody messing with your stuff. And it doesn't like it seems silly that you have that tradition, but 
hey, listen, I might make fun of your tradition, but I'm never going to disrespect it. Yeah. Like, I think there are some traditions out there that are absolutely stupid. Absolutely Texas stupid. Texas A&M? Yeah, listen, now, my <laughs> hatred for all of Texas A&M's fanfare is well documented. But listen, man, if that's what you do, right? Like, I'm never, like, the thought would never come into my head. Oh, man, they're doing their midnight yell. I'm going to release something in the area where they do it and where they <laughs> never do that again, right? Like, I'm just right. That's not a thing. Like, I don't care if Texas A&M beats us in a football. Like, I'm just never going there because it's like, all right, some stuff you just leave alone. Like, you make fun of it. You do whatever because they're your rival. But just let people do their stuff, man. And it, it ain't – it. Who, how does it hurt you for us to celebrate football games? It doesn't hurt you at all. So get over it, man. Stop being uh, – yeah, uh, Fellas, I, I want I want to ask you all one thing. Uh, today I watched the Johnny Manziel documentary, and I, I thought it was – awesome i thought it was one of the the best things to take me back to that era and and uh and just to see what he went through and you know the the before the nil and how much money he would have actually made and everything uh but when do we get a cam newton documentary you know i mean you're you're getting a florida the swamp kings documentary and it's like you just skipped right over the greatest college football player of all time and you went right to johnny so uh when or when when, when could we see that i don't know it's a good question i i I think part of, you know, documentary stuff for Cam Newton is he was still really trying to make his comeback to the NFL. He didn't feel like his story was over. And so mm-hmm. I think there was a redemption arc he was hoping to be able to throw into that. Um, but, you know, as we're getting more years removed from his collegiate career, I think that window is closing for him. So you probably can hear some whispers of that kind of stuff coming up. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't want to go. I mean, we've had a documentary on that season. But yeah. on Cam himself, I don't think that there has been. Well, I know there hasn't been, but I don't know if that's in the talks or anything. But probably mm-hmm. soon coming, man. I can't see that being held off too much longer. Yeah. Well, Dustin, you wanna you wanna close this out, brother? Yeah. Well, I need my 2004 documentary first, cause uh, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. but yeah, man, appreciate everybody for rocking with us. Uh, at the time of recording, dude, we're at 696 subs. So obviously, mm-hmm. we gotta at least get four more, get to 700. I don't think there's a Auburn podcast out right now growing like us, man. We're the hottest podcast on the planes, I feel like. So appreciate you guys for supporting me. This uh, shout out to our guy Dax Lee. Hit us up, wanted to uh, learn how to become a member. So appreciate your support, buddy. He had a very kind yeah. words to say in the DM. Well, uh, thank you to all our guys that have joined us as members. Y'all know we're going to have those, like we said before, rolling out here in a week or two, ready to go for you. I'll have my uh, Friday night schedule up and ready for you guys here in a week or two, man. So uh, we're really excited about everything that we're doing. Big thank you to Ike and all the help that he is uh he's done for us, man. The growth has just been tremendous since we signed with these guys. And uh listen, we keep saying it, we're not kidding, and I can attest to it. Um, so much stuff outside of just turning on a camera and recording podcasts. The kind of content that we're gonna do here at the War Report Network is really groundbreaking. Uh the the fireside chats that the guys are doing, that's just the tip of the iceberg, man. There's yeah. so much stuff coming down the pipe, and we're really excited for it. So uh just lock in, man. Just lock in and uh 20 something days guys we're almost there i can't wait so we'll see you guys friday 10 a.m war damn eagle yeah war eagle